And welcome back, folks. It's your host, Jeff Shugarts, and this is the Stash It or Pass It podcast, your weekly report for everything crypto, cannabis, and culture. Crypto being our weather report, cannabis, the traffic report, and the anything goes culture report. Now, it is Sunday, December 26, 2021. And it is an incredible day. It's beautiful outside. And I just wanted to wish everyone that celebrates it, I hope you had a very Merry Christmas. And to all, happy holidays. Wow, here we come to the end of 2021. What an amazing year. Cannot wait for 2022. The best is yet to come, my friends. And this week, we have a special guest on our show. His name is Chris Piazza founder and CEO of Canada Devices. We had an incredible interview with him talking everything in the cannabis industry from how he started as a glassblower out in Colorado and starting his own company that has scaled and grown across the country. We are so happy to have him on our show. And this week on the Weather Report, we are chopping it up about our friend Luna and the Terra Protocol. Luna is going through the roof, and we have been enjoying this ride. We first spoke about it with our man Austin Barnard from Orca Capital on episode nine. If you want to go check that one out, and on the Culture Report, we are giving grace and thanks to an incredible year. And it is Christmas, it is the holiday season. And we have been waiting for a good old Mr. Crypto Claus out there, baby, waiting for that, what they like to call the God candle to take off. But without further ado, we're just going to dive right in, buckle up, get ready. You know the drill, my friends. And first up, we just wanted to give a little mindful minute as it is coming to an end of the year and what a year it has been. Wow. We are so grateful. We are here for another. We can't wait for 2022, but we have to remember to live in the now, live in the moment, and always stay on our toes, folks. So with it being Christmas and the Christmas spirit, people like to ask me sometimes, do I believe in Santa Claus? Absolutely, I still believe in Santa Claus because I believe in the spirit of giving, the spirit of Christmas, and that is just what I wanted to talk about today a little bit. I love gifting, but we also have to be open to receiving. And that just leads me in. I was just in the sauna with a couple of young guys. They were 18, 19, 20 years old at my gym. And they asked me, they said, hey, sir, you know, someone that's 32 years old, you know, what's something you'd want to tell a 19 year old at this point in their life? And, you know, I paused for a second. I wanted to make sure that my message you know, was clear and uh, you know, would bring them some value. And I just talked about doing the little things that will lead to what your goals are, to lead to greatness. And then within that, when you accomplish that, those are the times to celebrate. Those are the times to treat yourself. Those are the times to reflect and give gratitude to the process, to the day in and the day out. And I reminded them that instant gratification is a disease and we have to overcome it. You know, I, And I talked to them about, I wake up every day and I make my bed. And then from there, you know, I stick to my routine, especially on the days that I don't want to. And I told them not to be tricked and not to be blinded by this instant gratification or treat yourself culture. You know, I said in those moments when you should be treating yourself, it is after a long road, a long process 
of getting somewhere that you want to go. And that might not happen in a month, three months, or six months. It might take years. But along that path, reflect, give grace, give gratitude, because if you stay on your path, if you stay with your eye on the prize, if you stay intentional in everything you are doing, you'll get there, my friends. And uh, it was an incredible little conversation I had with them. Again, you know, they had no idea, you know, really where it would go. And, uh, you know, we had a, a great heart to heart. And these were uh, some young football players as well. So uh, it was great to share some of that knowledge to talk a little bit about my past, you know, playing at Ohio State, playing in the NFL, you know, and coaching college football. So, you know, they were very open, open to receiving my message at that point. You know, so I had to make sure, too, that since they had ears to listen and they were really absorbing it, you know, I had to come across clear, precise and, you know, wanted to leave them with some real value that they could enact in their life, that they could put forth actionable steps in the now. And, uh, you know, I left them with some uh, some very good words. And, uh, you know, I hope that they can take that and act it into their lives. And by me sharing it, it helped me learn more about how I need to do that as well, how I need to stick to my process, stick to my word and uh, continue to grow and get better every day, because every day. Our goal should always be to be better than we were yesterday and is those little things the day in, day out the process. If you stick to your process stay the course you will get there my friends 2022 is going to be the greatest year of our lives and i cannot wait and i'm so happy you're joining me today again we're just getting started my friends stay the course and stick with us baby and we're back folks sitting here with the founder and ceo as promised chris piazza of canna devices we are so happy he's here with us today Thank you so much for joining us, and uh, I'll let you take it away a little bit here and introduce yourself, my friend. How's it going? Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah, you know, uh, CEO of Canada Devices. I've uh, been in the industry for quite a bit. Um, started in the cannabis space about 12 years ago. Uh, so, yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of what's going on. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I did a little uh, research on the uh, front end of this myself, so would love to hear, you know, a little bit about you know, your story, how you got to where you are now. Now, it was my understanding that, you know, you started off as a, a glass blower, 2008 down in uh, Colorado. And then, uh, you know, from there you met uh, your partner, you know, Robert Bank, and that, you know, took you into this industry uh, kind of more on a scaling side, but would love to hear that. And uh, we'll go from there. Definitely. Definitely. So uh, yeah, you know, in 2008, I was uh, doing some, uh, seasonal work over at Copper Mountain. And I used to, uh, I had a little map gas torch and I was melting glass and putting things together during like this one hour that like the sun was in this perfect spot where I could see and it wasn't too cold and um, came to the end of that, uh, that, that opportunity, that job. And a friend of mine said, well, you know, you love this so much. You're sitting out there freezing your butt off all the time. Why don't you see if you can actually you know, get an apprenticeship. And I said, you know, I guess I'm in Colorado. Why not? You know, and uh, got on before there was Facebook and all that stuff. There were forums. Right. And so it's yep. glasspipes.org. And I just put a post up saying, hey, uh, looking for an apprenticeship. And within 24 hours, I got a response. Um, the, the gentleman goes by at Roan Glass, R-O-N-E Glass uh, on Instagram. He is an amazing artist. And he took me under his wing 
and I got a one-on-one -on -one apprenticeship with him. And so he gave me this really, what I didn't, what I didn't know was a unique opportunity. He had some really big contracts with some of the large head shops in Colorado. And so when I first got started, I didn't really have to worry about going out and selling. I had this kind of built-in sales network from him. And then after my apprenticeship with him had come to an end, I had to actually get on the grind and go and sell glass on my own. And uh, I built up a pretty big portfolio of about 100 head shops around the country as an individual artist. But it was, uh, it was a task, you know, it was, it was hard. Right. Um, so that's sort of what uh, kind of led into can devices a little bit. But I moved back to Illinois. Uh, this is where my family's from. And a lot of people, you know, when you live in different parts of the country, like they, people travel and all that. When you're, when you're from Illinois, you might travel for a little while, but you always end up back by family. I don't know. We're a weird place. And uh, so I ended up back at, you know, uh, around my folks, around my family and uh, didn't really have anywhere to blow glass. So I found this place all about it, had, uh, had an in-house studio. And that was where Robert Bank, that was his, uh, his head shop. He had a couple of different locations and he gave me an opportunity. I, I was just this random kid that came from Colorado and, uh, you know, I didn't have I didn't have two dimes to scrape together, you know, and right. I, I asked him if I had, had this opportunity and he said, Hey, listen, there, there's 10 days less left in the month. If you can make enough product to pay for next month's rent, like we're good. You don't have to worry about it. And when he gave me that opportunity, I, I mean, I hit the ground, you know, I, I, I busted out a bunch of stuff and uh, from there it was pretty cool. Um, we had a couple different things. We, uh, we started a school together for a little while. Um, we sort of tried to get a distribution thing going years ago. Um, didn't really ever get off the ground and ended up, I uh, ended up going into the scientific glass world for a little while, making like x-ray tubes and doing stuff for like the oh, DOD. Wow. Yeah. It was some crazy stuff. Stuff I can't really talk about it. It's, yeah. Right. It's, right. Uh, pretty interesting, you know? Um, and I'm just this long haired hippie coming from Colorado. <laughs> right. Like, talking to the fucking head of, excuse me, talking to the head of the, uh, DOD has some weird times, man. Absolutely. Um, so then, uh, you know, then Bob came back to me a couple of years later and he's like, Hey, I've been in the dispensary world. He was, uh, he was doing wholesale for a large MSO. And so he was selling cannabis, uh, legally getting mm -hmm. a paycheck to sell weed. Like, right. <laughs> hell, you know, like weird world we live in, but, uh, he saw this opportunity that he had all these contacts and I had a pretty strong artist base that I could tap into. And so we started can devices together and, uh, that's, sort of where kind of takes us to having this, having this chat, you know, can devices is an American glass distribution company. We have um, about 50 artists. We're shooting for a, to be at a hundred by uh, the beginning of next year. And these guys work for us full time. You know, they're all in their own studios around the country, just like I used to be. And we offer them consistent work uh, for a long time. Uh, distributors in our space would, give you a huge purchase order and then not talk to you for a year, yeah. you know, stuff like that really inconsistent. So what we wanted to do is we wanted to create this opportunity. Like my teacher brought to me, I want to create this for everybody and uh, as much work as they want to make, you know? Um, yeah. That's sort of the start of can devices. We've now branched into uh, a lot of other things. We're doing uh, not a partnership for packaging, vape carts, batteries, grinders, papers, yeah, pretty much anything a dispensary would need. And uh, yeah, we're working with a lot of MSOs and 
man, I just would not have expected to be here this fast, but it's, uh, it's been a heck of a trip. So, right. Yeah. I mean, uh, just hearing about it, man, it's an incredible story and one that, you know, I'm even more grateful to have you on the show to learn about because, you know, you just hear these different entrepreneurial stories and, you know, being in the cannabis industry within the cannabis culture, you know, a lot of people, you know, don't always necessarily understand that glass culture too, you know, as you go deeper into, uh, you know, the cannabis industry, you know, that being said, you know, taking it back to, you know, 2008, you know, how you said you were, you know, out there grinding too, as an entrepreneur, because, you know, everybody is selling something, you know, even if you're not in sales, I mean, you might be selling an idea to your spouse, you might be selling an idea to your kids. So uh, just hearing that, you know, I always appreciate that. You know, I'm an outside sales myself, but, um, you know, and I love just the fact to, you know, hear how you were given, you know, an opportunity to, you know, produce something and then you took it and you ran with it. And with your success now, you know, you're recreating that, you know, recreating a platform to help, you know, other artists that, you know, I'm sure remind you of yourself uh, in a way too. So just to uh, lean into that a little bit, you know, so these are, you know, American artists, you know, right here, you know, making handmade products. And, uh, you know, I know that, um, you know, that's something that Canada Vices, uh, you know, really hangs its hat on. So, you know, would just love to hear, um, you know, a little bit about that and like why, you know, how valuable that really is. Because, you know, when I'm thinking about it, you know, you're, you're supporting Canada Vices, which is, you know, really supporting, you know, at-home artists. But, uh, you know, I, I surfed around on the internet a lot or on uh, y'all's website a lot. So that will all be in the show notes. Um, you know, I definitely recommend everybody checks it out. But it would just love it, hear a little bit more about that and, uh, you know, truly uh, supporting these handmade products. You know, you uh, I, I love how you kind of you touched on um, how, how the glass scene right. has been going on for a long time. Right. So, you know as cannabis has become legal and all these things are going on and the corporatization of cannabis, right? The growers are the ones that actually have like a little bit more of an easily easier time to scale, right? I'm not trying to say it's easy to run a big farm. That's not what I'm saying, but the scalability is there, right? Absolutely. And um, so what I think a lot of, uh, a lot has been forgotten about is that, the glass blowers and growers, like we started at the same place, you know, right. we were, we were all doing the things, you know, behind closed doors and, and all that. Right. Like we right. were, it was just, it was right next to each other, you know? So we have this symbiotic relationship as, as we've grown and, and uh, you know, it just seems that the growers have sort of gotten the opportunity for the, the corporatization side and glass blowers have sort of been left in the back, you know, and, and we've had a huge influx of import products and, you know, you, I, I really appreciate you using the word handmade because a lot of people don't even understand that this is truly made by glassboard's hands. Right. You know, there's machines to help support, but you know, ninety percent of it is is handmade. Right. And right. Um, yeah, these are all just guys around the country. You know, and and what we're off what we're offering is not only to help the artists, but we're also offering a more quality product. Right. You know, it's like you can go and get an import pipe at a gas station. And you can go get import CBD at a gas station, right? right. You go to the dispensary, you're getting medical grade, right? Medical right. grade CBD, medical grade, obviously cannabis. And why are you going to sell a cheap pipe? You know, right. that's been my sales pitch for since it started. Like if you're going to have quality, quality herb, why don't you have quality glass? Right. You know, right. and um, so that's kind of what's been going on with that. Yeah. Yeah. And I like hearing that too, because something I've talked about on this show before too, you know, myself, I'm uh, 32 years old uh, right now, 32 years young. And, um, 
you know, back in the day, you know, when we were, you know, sorry, mom, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15, <laughs> 16. And, uh, you know, we were, you know, experimenting with cannabis, using cannabis, whatever, you know, that was a lot riskier, you know, back then than it ever would be now. So, I mean, when you think about the intentionality of it, how it was when you were breaking, you know, breaking down um, cannabis, sitting with friends, sharing ideas, your mind was, you know, probably expanding, you know, obviously that even went on into 18, 19, 20 and into my twenties as well. But it makes you think about like with what you're saying, when, you know, you're actually buying some very good high grade cannabis and you're learning about that cannabis in the store, its effects. And as you go deeper into this culture, I mean, you can learn different things about, you know, even past the THC content, you start getting into the terpenes and different things of that nature too. And uh, learning how different things work together, what works best for you, you know, the intentionality of it brings into the glass part of it too, or how you're going to consume it. And when you actually are consuming it, like, with a piece of art, like something that has a story, because, you know, that cannabis, you know, it has a story too, where it comes from and different things like that. And then I feel like there's a part of not just this culture, but in general now, there's a lot more, you know, conscious consumers that, you know, aren't necessarily just buying for, you know, a race to the bottom and the cheapest price, different things of that nature. There's a support local uh, culture as well. So, you know, I just wanted to let you know that too, that, you know, I definitely hear you and I appreciate hearing that too, because, you know, anyone that doesn't, you know, necessarily know a lot about, uh, you know, the glass culture, things of that nature. I mean, anyone out there, I mean, we've talked about dab rigs and things like that too. And, uh, you know, that's even maybe even deeper into, uh, the culture. Cause you know, I have friends that, you know, will have essentially, it's like a little trophy case, but I mean, these are rigs and pieces that cost thousands of dollars and that are really, you know, can be traded. And I think in the future too, will be traded, uh, you know, like pieces of art, you know, the same way you see fine art, things of that nature. And, uh, you know, it's a niche culture uh, to an extent, but, uh, but yeah, I just think it's really cool to, uh, you know, to hear about that and uh, you know, to talk to you about it too. But, um, you know, my next thing I was curious about, so, you know, you, uh, you partnered with, uh, you partnered with um, Robert Bank and then y'all started getting, uh, you know, doing business with, you know, the MSOs, the multi-state operators. And now this is, you know, something we talk about on the show too. So, just to lean into that a little bit, how did, uh, you know, how does that process work? You know, obviously, uh, I know you'd said you're now uh, in Chicago, Illinois. You know, that's a great, uh, a great place. I know Green Thumb is a big one there that, uh, you know, we talk about on the show, you know, Illinois is pumping out some product. You know, I think it's over a billion dollars in, you know, revenue on the cannabis side uh, this year so far. So just to hear that process working with these MSOs and, you know, how all that, uh, how that works. And, you know, Jeff, it's been a trip. I mean, uh, you know, we started out uh, working with with uh, just a handful. And, and honestly, they all sort of follow along, right? Like everybody, when we started having the social credibility that we were in one or two MSOs, all of a sudden we're now in 10 and it just happened within, you know, nine months to a year. It just, it just exploded. And uh, how it is working with them, Every it's really interesting. Every single one of these MSOs has their own culture, right? And it, it's it's so clear. Like there's one that I would definitely put in like the jock culture. There's one that's definitely more like the data nerds, and then there's one. It, it's it's really funny how they all have yeah. their own vibe. Um, but yeah, and you know it's been it's been insane as far as scalability. Like it just it's just the scale and, and size of. Um, some of these places started out ordering 500 bucks a month from us and now they're ordering $20,000 a month from us. Right. 
And it's just, uh, it's happened so fast. And it's, it's been an interesting experience trying to uh, make sure that the systems in place of the business is actually able to handle the scale that we're going through because, you know, you get one shot with these guys, you know, right. if we screw up with any of them, they're not going to give us a second or third chance, you know, right. there's, there's a, uh, there's a lot of competition in the space and, and uh, we know that we need to stay on the forefront of that at all times. And so, yeah, it's uh, it's a lot of work, but you know, it's, it's been, it's been fun. And then as, as we started to have these, this social credibility, not only from one dispensary to another, um, vendors started to notice us and say, Hey, you know, you're an outside sales. When you're trying to get into a place like Green Thumb, you don't know my contact there. And it's going to be very hard for you to get through all of the different doors. It's right. going to take you a long time and it's going to cost your business owner a lot of money. So what they're doing is now actually just coming to us and saying, hey, why don't we just partner on this? What do you think about this product? And so we're starting to be able to kind of, we have this pipeline that now people are coming to us to fill that pipeline. And um, it's been, uh, that was unexpected. You know, glass is always going to be our, uh, our, our, our true to form. Like that's going to be always what it's going to be about. You know, we're uh, these other, these other products are going to help us be able to offer things like uh, I just found out that there's a certain insurance company that will allow us to offer health insurance to 1099 subcontractors. So we're going to probably be one of the first uh, distributors that's going to be able to offer health insurance benefits to our artists. Right. Yeah. And that's because we have these other products that are helping to support that because we don't want to make a ton on the, on the artists, you know, we want to make sure that they're taken care of. And Absolutely. so it's these other products that are going to offer us that, uh, that extra little margin to be able to create even a better atmosphere for them to be, um, yeah, creating it. Absolutely. Yeah. Again, it's, uh, it's so great to hear you, um, you know, give that, you know, appreciation to the artist and, you know, make it about the artist. Cause you know, again, you started out, you know, as one yourself and it just, uh, just to share this, you know, it makes me think about when I was, uh, in Columbus, Ohio, I was a part of a team that, you know, started a music festival, but really our goal in starting that was to help support all these incredible local artists that were there. And we didn't charge them like commission and whatnot, you know, for the first couple of years starting off that festival and, you know, what it's done since then. Now, these same artists that first started, you know, in these booths at the festival, you know, they're doing um, community projects, city projects. They've helped like re, um, you know, reestablish like some old bars with like, how they went in there and fixed it up and uh, you know, really brought some life back to uh, different parts of the city. So anytime, you know, you are, especially in a culture like this, uh, being able to give back and support to, you know, those people that really started it like yourself, you know, when you think about this, cause this is more things we always talk about on the show and uh, you know, this might get a little more of the, on the political side, but you know, when you're thinking about where this industry came from, where this culture came from, you know, some of those people are still sitting in jail or some of those people are, you know, still have some serious, uh, you know, offenses on their records for things that, you know, really aren't, aren't bad at all. And uh, now that being said too, you got, you know, people, you know, making millions of dollars and nothing against them. I mean, they're, you know, it's a system and, you know, they're playing, uh, you know, playing, uh, playing the game now as well, but, you know, they're not necessarily always, you know, a part of the origins or where it started, or they might not have appreciation for it either. So it's so great just to hear that side of it, you know, you being a founder and a CEO and making that a part of your culture and making that, you know, something that you really 
hang your hat on as you're building, you know, this company and this platform. And uh, so that's just, uh, you know, great to hear there. And, you know, so I guess since I was bringing up, you know, a little bit of, you know, the political side of things, um, you know, we, uh, we actually had, um, I don't know if you're familiar with him, but his name is uh, Jason Spatafora. He's like a day trader, the wolf on weed street. Are you serious? Yeah, we had him on uh, episode 19. You should, uh, me and Jason go way back. That's hilarious. Oh. I just that's hilarious. You just brought him up. Awesome. Yeah, we go, we go way back. <laughs> that's incredible. So what, uh, where, how did y'all, I mean, just before we get into it, how, uh, how'd y'all meet? Cause Jason, Jason is a riot, man. He's great. Oh, dude, We were, uh, we were trading weed stocks back, I think, uh, 2009, 2010. I was one of his first like three or 4,000 followers. Um, nice. there's actually a picture of me and him at MJ BizCon on our Instagram. Uh, yeah, me and that's <laughs> all <laughs> That's awesome. Not expect that one. Cool. That's great. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, we had uh, you know he's very uh, you know very um, let's see what's up very enthusiastic in his view on you know some of the recent things uh, in the political spectrum. So I mean, I guess we could just start off with uh, you know two eighty e is uh, one of them. That was one where um, you know essentially you know these MSOs or you know that's why I was curious your um, opinion and then even being on your side of the business if it comes into that. You know, so with 280E and how that falls in with, you know, these cannabis companies are not allowed to, you know, essentially write off on their taxes, things that a normal business would be able to write off and how that can really affect your cash flow, how that can affect how you, you know, uh, prioritize things, how you're looking at your pipeline, you know, how you are, you know, just going about your business. And I was just curious, uh, you know, your thoughts on 280E and I got a couple other as well. Well, yeah, I, um, I, I start thinking whenever I think about Jason, I think about safe banking, but. Oh uh, yeah. Well, we'll definitely you know, get into safe banking. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, like I said, I've been uh, into the trading, trading of the weed stocks and everything. And, and yeah, it's, it's impossible. It's, it's impossible for a business to have to have all these expenses and not be able to write them off. And it, it just makes it more difficult across the board, you know? Um, so for us, we don't have to worry about that quite as much because we are, what's called uh, a tier two company. Okay. So we do not touch a plant in any way, shape or form. Um, but more than 50%, it's actually like 95% uh, percent of our customers are plant touching. Right. So if you're a tier three, then less than half of your customers are uh, not plant touching. Okay. So um, because we're not tier one, we can write off all of those things. Okay. So our experience, we're, we're very fortunate. Now, you know, it kind of overlaps into safe banking, but, but because we are so close to the tier ones, you know, we have not been able to touch a bank. So wow. we have not been able to get any funding from outside. Wow. Very, very recently, I finally found a local bank that's willing to work with us. And I have been on the hunt for you know, three years for this. But so, you know, it, the, the benefit for those for those big tier one MSOs is at least they can have the, the free markets to be able to raise funds, right? Right. So, you know, they're I they're kind of lucky to at least have that, right? We're too small. We can't go to the public markets and right. I don't really want to be a public company anyways. But you know, so they have at least access to capital. But yeah, when you're talking about evaluations and all these things that should have been written off, I mean, that's why, you know, I don't know if you if you follow Jason, it, it's not uh it's not advice, but if any of these things change, the balance sheets are going to change dramatically right. and the evaluations are going to change dramatically. And I want to be on the right side of history with that. 
So that's a whole different thing, though. But- Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you brought it up too with safe banking. And this is something I had no idea about, um, you know, just being, you know, on the, I guess, you know, the tier two side of it, but, you know, your glass supports cannabis, you know, the things you're selling supports cannabis. And, you know, it just drives me crazy because how it is uh, framed in politics, how it's brought up in politics, you know, this is just another example of, you know, there are so, this is one of the number one job creators, uh, you know, in the country. I mean, it's only going to get bigger. And so there's only going to be more companies like yourself or more companies like supporting uh, the cannabis industry that I'm sure running into this same exact problem. Now, I mean, when you look at a state like Illinois, like we were just saying, has over a billion dollars in cannabis revenue. I mean, I'm sure that's going to help, you know, the companies like yourself too, is going to have more revenue. And the fact you can't touch a bank, I mean, that is just a recipe for disaster. I mean, when you think about, you know, I was just looking at some different, um, I mean, really, you see these things weekly, but dispensaries getting robbed, things of that nature too, or how you can't even go to a bank and, you know, get a loan. And whenever you actually look at, you know, like yourself, I mean, you're an artist that comes from like the grassroots of this, you know, trying to go out there and, you know, get a loan from a bank, or, you know, if you're a minority, you know, coming out of, you know, the struggle or a lot of the people that were, you know, in this in the beginning, you know, may have been black and brown people, minorities, or just people from, you know, lower and middle class that, and, you know, it wasn't just all, you know, the suits running around raising millions of dollars, you know, on uh, New York and New York stock exchange. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, that's ridiculous just to hear that. And it just makes me, you know, even more fired up to keep advocating for this. Cause you know, when we had Jason on, you know, that was right before, the uh you know the senate uh democrats removed it from the uh, national defense authorization act so you know the ndaa we've talked about this on the show you know being basically the uh the biggest bipartisan bill that gets it funds our entire government basically year to year and uh you know it's passed the last 60 something years in a row and safe banking was uh you know just a little blip in there like it didn't even you know it could have just no one even would have noticed it and the fact that they pulled it out just makes you like you know, they kept in uh, they kept a bill in there for uh, UFOs, you know, for literally <laughs> to fund like, you know, I don't know, like chasing UFOs around. But they removed safe banking because why? Right. Like everybody wants to, uh, you know, I guess, get their get their big their big bad cannabis bill and get their win. So, I mean, I know in the uh, I believe it's the uh, it was at the the CARE Act. And um, that is, uh, you know, the one that Senator Schumer and Booker were putting together. Um, but that that added like a 30 percent tax to, uh, you know, uh, MSOs, different things like that. Would, would you all um, as a tier two company get wrapped up in um, extra tax hikes, anything like that? No, 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 we get to. Yeah, we get to really avoid a lot of that. Yeah. Um, you know, we don't have the margins that they do and we don't have some, yeah, you know, right. all those opportunities. Right. But uh, no, yeah, we get to avoid a lot of that. That's good. Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess the only other uh, oh, so I'm drawing a blank. I may have. I'm, oh, and the uh, the other bill that I was thinking of, if you're familiar with it, was the uh, the States Reform Act that came out of uh, South Carolina. So that was actually this is what's crazy. Like when we talk about politics, because you know, cannabis has definitely been something. You know, like myself included, I've always been you know more of a free spirit, probably living a little farther to the left side having a good time, going to music festivals and all that. And, um, you know, so whenever you see how it's developed, you know, in our political system, I mean, you know, even when I was in college, you know, we were having the same discussion about, 
you know, legalization, things were happening like in Colorado. And now you have like over 33, you know, states around the country. And, um, you know, so in the States Reform Act, it was actually presented by, you know, a Republican, Nancy Mace. And it's just like blows my mind. And it all kind of comes back to this, like decriminalization and safe banking act that, you know, now the Republicans have their hands in it on that side. And it's just, you know, it's almost getting lost in the, uh, this little tug of war that, uh, you know, they're always pulling on our heartstrings, but, um, uh, just wanted to bring that up a little bit, but anyways, I mean, just to get back to it, you know, with Canada devices, you know, I was on the website and I was just curious to hear, um, how you came up with the, uh, the logo. Cause you know, I saw the, uh, you know, the green cross, you know, the green and, you know, I think it's great. Cause when I like see that anytime, you know, when I'm going to a new state, different things like that, it's a very easy way to spot, you know, maybe a dispensary or something, you know, that is, a you know, within that world. And I uh, would love to hear, you know, how you came up with, uh, came up with that logo. <laughs> so it actually started out as just an Illinois in the middle. So now it's a green cross with the United States yep. and it came up, it, it started out as, as just Illinois, because we were Illinois based. And what our idea was, uh, so my partner actually had that logo, that was his, his baby. And we, what we talked about doing was then putting the logo of any state that was medically legal in the middle of it. Um, and we quickly found out that it just simply wasn't a scalable solution, because once you put one of those on a piece of glass, then you can't take it back off. We use bake on labels. And so it, it's extremely durable and, and uh, and doesn't, it's not like a sticker. And so we had it, I had Illinois one, we sent a batch to Massachusetts and Massachusetts is like, why is there Illinois on it? <laughs> right. like, well, it's come, coming from Illinois. And so we quickly came back to the drawing board. We're like, you know what, we're going national now. And this was about six months after we started. We're like we need to actually just do this with the US because we're going nationwide. And that's what it was. And so, you know, it's kind of a throwback to where medical was the start of everything, right? It, it all started with medical. And right. so that's why, I mean, we just kind of kept it, you know, we were not in uh, I met so many people and, and I'm so happy for all the new people in the industry, but we are not, you know, a two years, three year involved in this space, right? Like we, we're going back really, my, my partner has been in the industry for 20 years. Um, like I said, it was 12 years on the torch, but many, many before that, right. that I wouldn't talk details on here. You right, know? right. And absolutely. Uh, so, I mean, uh, so we want to just have a throwback to that medical side. I mean, that's where, that's what, that's how the change started. Right. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, my, actually one of my partners on this show, his name is uh, Reed and uh, we call him Dr. B because his initials are DRB, but um, he likes to uh, use the term traditional market veteran. Because <laughs> uh, that's what you know. It's about kind of how you word stuff and frame stuff. And you know, there were times when uh, you know we speak about you know doing things that you know like within you know the laws or business or whatever that incentivize people that started this industry you know to come to the legal market. And instead of like putting that that shade and calling it the black market, things like that, we always like to use the term traditional market, um, you know, as much as we can. And actually we, uh, the traditional market veteran, I, I don't know if we were at a music festival, I think, and someone had that hat on and like, and it was over and then, you know, it was like, looked like, you know, military hat, like a veteran hat, but traditional market veteran. I was like, Oh, that's great. So, I mean, we've been, it's always kind of been in the back of our mind, things like that. And, you know, when I had the idea to put in this show together, 
uh, and using like the traffic report to talk about cannabis and how people, oh, drug trafficking, <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> but, uh, but no, that's, uh, I love hearing that too. And it's just, you know, it's inspiring too, man. Cause you know, you being an artist, you know, him being, you know, somebody that's been in this industry that, uh, you know, I'm sure in the beginning, you know, like we were saying, like when I was first, you know, using cannabis as a, you know, basically as a kid or a teenager, you know, we were risking a lot, but you know, it, it didn't make any sense, you know? And like, I remember just pushing these ideas and talking about even cannabis business and getting involved in this when I was back 18, 19 years old, talking about it, like in my entrepreneur class in college and, uh, you know, without the uh, pioneers in that, the people that really did risk a lot, um, in the beginning, you know, we wouldn't be where we're at now. And that's another reason why I, uh, you know, like doing this show, talking to people like yourself is to, you know, get that message out there and to also, you know, have more appreciation to, you know, the OGs in the industry. Definitely. Yes, sir. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, so, uh, next up here, I would love to, uh, just to talk a little bit more about the, uh, the artists and, you know, the craft of like blowing and uh, making these different glass pieces says, you know, y'all are sending them, you know, out to, you know, I would love to hear you like how many States and whatnot. And so when they are, you know, you say you got 50 artists on staff, you know, what is the typical, you know, time it takes to make, um, you know, your traditional piece, you know, you got like a pipe and then you got one hitters, you got roars. Are y'all um, actually making, you know, bongs and things like that too? Okay. Yeah, we cool. have some, yeah, we have a handful of, we have, so um, when we were talking about it just a minute ago, we were talking about like that high end stuff and that, you know, that, that fine art aspect of mm-hmm. what the industry has now, you know, a piece uh, just sold last week for a quarter million dollars, you know, wow. and so like, we're talking six figures. I think we've actually had one piece sell for seven figures in the industry. And um, so like, wow. that's, that's one side. And then there's our side and the most expensive piece that we have, uh, as far as like a dry, uh, dry pipe is $40. Okay. And the most expensive, uh, you know, rig that we have is $110 retail. Right. So we really, because in the dispensary world, you know, if you want something super fancy, you're not going to go to your local dispensary to spend a thousand dollars. Right. You're going to go to your local glass gallery. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's where your nicer stuff's going to be. So we really target that lower end, that lower price point. And honestly, you know, it takes years to be able, I don't know if you've seen the meme. There's this, there's this guy and uh, he's an old guy and he uh, it's a, it's a bill for uh, this guy fixes a ship and it's a $10,000 bill. And this guy argues, he's like, well, why is this $10,000? You know, let me see an itemized list. And it says $3 for a hammer, $9,997 for experience. Right. Right. And so, you know, our artists, I mean, I can crank out glass like it's nobody's like I can I can I mean I can make stuff pretty pretty fast and you know so I hesitate to give a straight answer here because when 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 people look at it it's just like well oh so it takes five minutes to make a pipe then why is that person gonna sell it for ten dollars so it's like well he also has fifteen years of experience and the tools and everything you know so but I can say that you know we have we have pipes that'll take a minute you know, for a real cheap little hitter up to, you know, half hour for those more expensive ones. And, uh, you know, the tools that are involved and everything, you know, that's kind of what plays into it also for as far as the expenses, but, um, you know, something that's, you know, that makes us a little unique as well. I, you know, when we have, we have artists that are joining us that have anywhere from two, three months of experience to 
10, 15, 20 years of experience, right? And so some of these OG guys that got, you know, 10 years plus, like they have their production styles down. They know how to make, make things fast. And, but what we want to do is also help these new guys out, you know, right. new guys and gals. And so, you know, I can actually sit and, and have a meeting with them. If, if they're having a hard time, they're saying, hey, I, I don't know how I'm supposed to be able to make this pipe for 10 bucks. This is taking me an hour to make it. Then I'll sit down with them and I'll, and I'll say, hey, let, let's try. What are you doing with your prep? Oh, well, I'm doing this, this and this. Whoa, no, no, no. Do this, this and that. And now you're going to shave 10 minutes of your time. And OK, so what are you doing with your with, you know, when you're when you're set up and you're making your first piece? I'm doing this. It's like, oh, no, no, no. let's do this. And then, you know, in um, helping them to shave time. Right. Absolutely. So getting that 30 minute pipe down to 10 minutes is my goal with them, because I want every artist to be making a dollar a minute. Right. Like that's our, you know, so that's great. Yeah. I mean, hearing the, uh, the coaching aspect of it is really cool. Cause, uh, you know, myself, I'm a former, um, I'm a former college football player, played in the NFL for a little bit. And I also coached uh, college football too. And, uh, you know, so I love hearing that just the, you know, the coaching, the mentoring, cause you know, again, like you built this platform for these guys. I'm sure you see yourself in a lot of them like that as well. And, uh, so that's great to hear, which, uh, you know, leads me to, you know, my next question. And um, so it's my understanding you have a nonprofit as well called uh, Syndicate. You know, I saw it on the website. So I had to ask about it because, you know, anytime you have, you know, a successful, you know, you know, businessman, entrepreneur, founder that is, uh, you know, giving back and doing different things, trying to help, uh, you know, other uh, entrepreneurs as well, you know, love to, uh, you know, just hear that story a little bit and what you do and uh, how you help everyone. I appreciate that, Jeff. You know, that's, uh, that's a little bit of a passion project of mine. Um, Startup Syndicate is the uh, is the nonprofit, and uh, uh, you know, so I was I was really fortunate when I was growing up. You know, um, my 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 family. I, I have a lot of professionals in my family. So you know, real estate investor. You know, my brother and um, you know, my dad's a CPA, and so you know, and and my brother's a lot older than me. So I grew up with my dad and my brother talking business. And I was, you know, six years old, my brother's, you know, already getting into real estate conversations, right? Like money was not a, uh, was a, was not a taboo topic in my house. We right. talked about it at dinner. We talked about it before dinner, we talked about it after dinner. We talked about it all the time. And um, so I had this opportunity to have like, soak all this in, right? Like I don't have an education. I, I never went to the school I, mean, I tried and it just, uh, I had my, well, what was the term you, you said? Uh, traditional market. Market veteran. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I was dealing with the traditional markets yep. um, during yep. my college times. <laughs> so, you know, uh, so I, I had this, op- I had all this going on and, um, you know, as a kid, I had no idea, right? I started getting a little bit older and, and I have a group of friends that are a bunch of entrepreneurs and and I'm talking with them and uh, my buddy, Steve, my buddy, Mike, uh, my buddy, Steve, you know, he, we actually just did a podcast yesterday. He grew up in the opposite. He grew up in a blue collar home and nobody talked about money. Nobody talked. You just show up at the job, you work and you go home. And yep. so he didn't have any of this other education going on. Right. He had to learn it on his own. And so we were having this chat and, and we wanted to offer this opportunity to everybody else. Like, why, why should you have to go to all these different places to learn from all these different people and, and, and seek this stuff out? Let's create this, this little, this little network. Right. And, um, you know, yep. YouTube podcasts, like that's, that's where I've learned a ton also. Right. Yep. But I at least had a baseline. Like I didn't need to learn what a balance sheet was 
you know, from YouTube, I already had that part, but now we're talking about whatever, right? So I, I had the, I had the seed that started. So what we want to do is help sow those seeds with other entrepreneurs. You know, I, I was getting a haircut from, uh, from a, my wonderful beautician and, and uh, she had her own little thing going and she didn't know how, she didn't know what a PL and l was, you know, right. and I'm like, man, how are you running a business? Like, let me help you. And, right. and I saw this going on everywhere. So that's where we got started. So that's the first half. The second half is we were talking about banking, right? Mm-hmm. All these entrepreneurs that are getting started that don't have any access to, to money from family or friends. Right. Well, we startup syndicate wants to only be a network of, of opportunity of, of education. We also want to have a grant program. So we're going to do an annual that's grant awesome. party where we're going to like, you're going to, you're going to try out throughout the year. And at the end of the year, we're, we want, our goal is to have 10 entrepreneurs get a grant. And if you think about you know, somebody outside of cannabis and everything, but if you think about a paint company, like a painter, right? Mm-hmm. He's got one or two guys with him. He's got a, he's got some brushes. He got some rollers and he's doing everything that he can. What does a thousand dollars do for him? He can go buy a paint sprayer right and now. He can explode, right? And right. he now offers opportunity to so many more people under him. And so that's the passion behind startup syndicate. Oh, I love so, it, man. I love it. Just, uh, especially just seeing it too. Cause you know, being, um, you know, glass blower like you were, and then you're really supporting these other, you know, high service industries where, you know, some people too, that, you know, when you get services done, you don't actually realize like how much work goes into some of these things. I mean, we, we see the dollar amount and, you know, we want it done the way we want it done. But, you know, my girlfriend, for example, she, uh, she does hair and, uh, you know, when she's doing it once, twice, three times a week, sometimes, you know, she'll be putting in 12 hours on her feet, you know, making it happen. And, you know, it's an art to her too. That's one of the reasons why she keeps doing it. You know, this is her over my shoulder. She's actually an author. She's a one-on-one coach and stuff too. But, um, you know, that is, uh, you know, that's her craft too, just being able to dye people's hair and make them look pretty and, you know, do all that. But, uh, you know, there's some of those nights, man, when she's, uh, she's definitely beat up just from being on her feet all day, talking all day and, and different things like that. And, you know, like you were just talking about someone being a painter, like, one of my really good friends, you know, just started uh, about a year ago, started his own, um, you know, painting business, you know, him and his, uh, his little brother and, uh, and whatnot too. So, you know, I definitely love hearing that too, because sometimes, you know, people get caught up in, uh, you know, the different messaging, maybe what they're seeing on the TV and whatnot. And uh, you don't always, uh, you think every business owner is a millionaire or you think they're rich and, and different things like that. And, you know, so you're like, oh yeah, like raise taxes on everything or yeah. What, what, why wouldn't they do that? Like, you're like, man, you're talking about like, you might be talking about your next door neighbor who might be, you know, making some pretty good money now because he's been grinding for 20 years. And, you know, he started off with just a paint roller in his hand and now he might have a couple stores, you know, and that's, uh, you know, and then he's giving back like yourself, like you have, you know, this great company are still growing, you're scaling, but you know, what are you passionate about? Like you're passionate about helping other entrepreneurs, you know, get a stable foundation. And then the ripple continues. I guarantee some of the people you help, you know, they're going to be really successful and then they're going to keep giving it back. And, you know, something I've told, uh, said on this show before too. And, uh, you know, as long as you're willing to make the ask and put in the work, I mean, I haven't really met any successful people that, you know, won't give you some legitimate time and advice um, to help you out. I mean, that being, you know, they might not all be super wealthy, but I mean, a lot of them usually are, you know, have a good head on their shoulders, you know, have a nice home, have some kind of foundation under them, and they're willing to 
offer that advice and, you know, help somebody out. So it's, have you, uh, heard, yeah. have you heard of the book, uh, the go-giver? Oh yeah. All right. Oh yeah. That's the, the, you know, that's exactly what you're talking about. And that's yep. when I read it every year, I would actually just start it again. And I like, that was what they were just talking about. Absolutely. Yep, spot on. Yeah, man. I mean, just uh, the ripples that we put out into the world. I mean, that's really what's going to change the world. And, you know, it's the, obviously you want to have hope and you never want to take somebody's hope from them, but you have to have action within that hope. Like we can sit around and we can talk about great ideas or we can analyze different problems, but you have to put that work in. You got to take that first step, make that action. And then that action will just turn into, you know, more reaction, more success, more and more. And then, you know, it's a process too. Like sometimes, you know, like you're saying, you're coaching your guys that are, you know, blowing glass and whatnot. It's like, it might not work the first time, or you might have to do this a hundred times, or you might have to do this a hundred days in a row before it, the light bulb might go off. And, you know, there's a lot of process to a lot of different things, like across all different cultures and industries and whatnot. And, uh, you know, there's just part of the instant gratification that is being ingrained in a lot of people's minds. I mean, cause I love the internet. I love all its tools. I love, you know, different things that, you know, technology is uh, able to give us through automation and things like that. But at the same time, you know, you have to understand that, you know, real life. And uh, yeah, that's one thing I love about the cannabis industry because it's still extremely tangible. These are machines. These are artists. These are, you know, processes that, you know, take real people and not just, you know, all, uh, you know, all automation, all technology, software, things of that nature. But uh, that's one thing that another reason why I'm passionate about it. And that's why I started this show, because, you know, I see this industry and the things that are involved in it being, uh, you know, being around here and being very, uh, you know, successful through the next 10, 20, 30, 40 years, even outside of, you know, cannabis consumption and whatnot, but, you know, or medicine, but even in the, you know, the paper we write on, the clothes we wear, you know, different products, like the, the 50,000 case uses for hemp in general. So uh, things of that nature too. But, you know, I know we only got a little bit of time left here, but I would love, uh, you know, I asked Jason the same thing, you know, so now that you've, uh, you know, you're scaling, you're growing business, you've had some success, you know, what is one thing that, you know, you know, now that, uh, you know, you wish you would have known, you know, when you were first getting started off, or, uh, you know, if you're just somebody now getting started in this, you know, that you know now that you wish you knew back then. You know, uh, I got to throw it back to, um, I'm, I'm all about business books and everything. I got to throw it back to uh, uh, Robert Kiyosaki with, uh, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And, and um, you know, you can, you can only, you can only do so much with your own hands, right? And yep. you got to, got to in order to scale you have to have people around you and you have to treat those people right yeah and so you know what i want what what i wish i would have understood was that i could only do so much on my own right and now that i have a team around me we're able to do multiples more than you know it, it's not one plus one equals two you know right it's, it goes up a lot faster than that and um that's the thing that i learned a little late but grateful to know it now absolutely no i love hearing that and, uh, you know, shout out to Rich Dad, Poor Dad. If, if you're listening to this and you have not listened to that book, finish finish listening to this podcast and then go ahead and throw in that book. But it is uh, an incredible piece of literature. But, you know, I appreciate uh, hearing that from you, Chris, because, uh, you know, I love, uh, you know, I love some good advice, you know, especially from somebody that is, uh, you know, actively out there doing it. And, um, you know, that brings me to my next uh, thing that we talked about earlier, and that is uh, the do's and don'ts. 
and uh, would love to, uh, you know, and this is more based on the industry or the culture, you know, what is a, uh, you know, that's going on right now? What is a doob and a don't that you can uh, share with our uh, audience? Man, uh, <laughs> the thing that popped into my head with it is, and this is just kind of ridiculous. I even got to say it, but treat everybody with the most respect that you can yep. and, treat, and be honest because as far as a don't, this is a very small industry yeah. and it is not forgiving. It right. is honoring to everybody that is honest, open and, and fair and treats everybody right. You will get more than you could ever imagine back. But just like during the traditional market days, a little bit different how it happens. But if you're going to if you're going to play any games, you know, you're you're going to get caught out pretty quick. I right. mean, you could even look at MedMen. They're yep. gone. You yep. know, I mean, look at how dishonest that CEO was, right? And so right. Um, just treat everybody with honor and respect and be honest. And uh, there's enough for everybody. So let's all get it, right? Absolutely. Oh, I love hearing that, man. I got chills listening to it, honestly. I mean, one, uh, one of my mantras is uh, give that what you want to receive. And if you can be anywhere, if you can be anything in this world, as you can, be kind. You know, and, uh, you know, we love hearing that, you know, it's all about, you know, respect. That's another thing with the, the culture aspect of this show is, uh, you know, lean into other people's cultures, respect other people's cultures, you know, look at it, try to look at it through their lens, you know, try to experience it through somebody else's uh, perspective. And if you don't understand or you don't get it, you know, it doesn't mean you got to be scared of it or attack it, you know, just ask, ask some questions. And then on the opposite end of that, when someone is asking questions, you know, respect that too. And, you know, be open to it and answer them. And, you know, that's the same thing. We're all here. We're all having a good time and there's more than enough to go around. So, um, and now I know we, uh, we talked earlier, it's been, been a couple of years or so, or years, uh, in the past since, uh, you have, uh, you know, consumed any cannabis, but would love to, uh, you know, hear some, I'm sure you had some OG strains in the past and, uh, hear, uh, you know, what your favorite was for our, uh, strains of the week. Oh man. Well, so I, uh, I didn't realize that I was dating myself. I, uh, I mentioned chem dog to somebody and okay. like, dude, really? I'm like, that was my thing. Chem dog, sour D, you know, like those were my, those were my go-tos. I just, oh. I like that earthy and that sour, you know? Absolutely, man. I mean, I'm a, I'm definitely a fan, you know, it's been, uh, it's probably, I think we, we've probably talked about some chem dog a little bit because on the show before too, you know, one thing we like to bring up strains of the week is, you know, and this is probably part of the culture and it may change. Um, you can see it a little bit with, uh, you know, how they're labeling some of these strains now, you know, even leaning more into maybe the effects of the strain and uh, just because they have some of these wild names and whatnot. But, you know, when you go on to like a leafly.com, things like that, and you can like research the origins and see how far it goes back. There actually used to be a show called uh, Strain Hunters that was uh you know, always a you know fun show too. But you know, I asked this uh, you know to someone else we had on the show. He is a uh, he works for a uh, dispensary and uh, a company up in um, up in Columbus, Ohio. And he was telling me too. He was like, "Man, like I know some guys that still are saving seeds that they had from the '90s, just waiting for legislation." I'm like, "Oh wow, I didn't even think about things like that." So, you know, yep, I heard about that stuff too. Yep, absolutely. Well, hey, Chris, that uh, that about wraps it up, um, you know, for me on my end, man, if uh, if you have anything else you'd like to, you know, plug real quick or, uh, you know, uh, let everybody uh, know about, you know, please do. 
you know, I think we covered, I think we covered it, you know, um, I really appreciate the time and, uh, you know, you're, you're a wonderful interviewer. I, I just, your questions were phenomenal. And so I just, I appreciated all of it and, uh, yeah, you know, it's, uh, been a pleasure. Absolutely. Well, Hey everyone, again, check it out. Canadavices.com. We're sitting here with the CEO and founder, Chris Piazza. He's been blowing glass since 2008, and now he's helping other people make their dreams come true. So this has truly been an incredible chat, my friend. And, uh, you know, I can't wait to uh, see what the future holds. And, you know, I definitely would love to have you come back on the show uh, in time. And, you know, we'll, we will have all the uh, links and whatnot in the show notes so y'all can check it out and uh, definitely go, uh, you know, maybe grab a piece of glass and, uh, you know, support the culture. Awesome. Sweet. Thanks so much, Jeff. Absolutely. Thank you, Chris. And next up here on the weather report, we promised that we would touch on our friend Luna and shout out to the Luna ticks to the moon boys. Shout out to our guy, Brandon Boyd. He's been on the show a few times and, uh, He's blessed us with some incredible advice when it comes to Luna, when it comes to some of our other metaverse plays like VRA and UFO, and we are so grateful to him. But like we said, shout out to Luna. Don't bet against the moon, my friends. And like we said earlier, we can't wait to have Austin Barnard back on the show from Orca Capital. Now, this was months ago, episode nine, down to DeFi. Absolutely, we are down to DeFi because that is exactly what we have been doing. And we have been doing that on the new Terra.money. That is the Terra protocol, home of Luna and home of UST. Now, I highly recommend that everybody go check this out. But like we always say, this is not financial advice. This is just a journey, my friends, and what a journey it has been. We started buying up Luna at 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, and even 40, because it's just the gift that keeps on giving, my friends. And like we said earlier, we're still waiting on that God candle. Shout out to IB Unscripted on Twitter. That's our guy, Brandon Boyd, and he is a lunatic and... uh He's one of our moon boys because uh, these are moon shots, folks, and we are going for it. We still believe that Luna can 10x, and right now it's at $100. So buckle up, my friends. We've been holding it since about 15, and we just keep on adding to that bounty. Are there going to be pullbacks? Absolutely. Are there going to be corrections? Absolutely. But like we've talked about in other episodes, Luna is the first crypto, if you will, that is tied to its own stable coin. So UST is a stable coin backed by Luna. There's a mechanism that how they work together. Again, go check it out on Terra.money. You can find unlimited resources, different videos, different articles. You can read about it. But one of the things that we love on the Luna protocol is called Anchor. Now, what is Anchor? Anchor is a place that I just started saving some of my money. You have to buy UST, send it to your Terra wallet, and then you can use Anchor. Now, Anchor reminds me a lot of how I save money in USDC on my Voyager account, but now this is DeFi, baby. This is a little bit different. 
are you down to DeFi? Because we are, and uh, we've been getting down. And that is one of the reasons that we are definitely seeing a spike in the Luna price is the more and more people that find out about Anchor. Anchor is a place, again, like I said, you can buy a stable coin or convert other cryptos to this stable coin called UST. And then you deposit UST into an Anchor savings account and you get a 20% return. That is a 20% yield. Hard to find in this market, folks. And it's going down in the Terra Money protocol. Shout out to Luna, baby. We are enjoying this ride and we are going to keep enjoying this ride. So buckle up and you already know. Stash it. And next up here on the culture report, we're just sitting back and we're smiling, folks. We are headed into 2022 and what a year it has been as we reflect and we review, but we are focused on the now. We are focused on the future. We are calculating a plan. We are writing down our goals and we cannot wait for the ride that lays ahead of us. But just like I was saying earlier on the Mindful Minute, when I had that incredible conversation with these young men in the sauna, you want to be intentional. You want to have a plan and you want to work a plan. You either have a plan or plan to fail, my friends. But within that plan, be intentional because what you do every day matters because you are trading a day of your life for it. And that is important. Now, there may be other plays out in your life. There may be other things going on trying to tell you that what you're doing isn't important or what you think doesn't matter. And that is not true. You are the author of your story and you should not let anybody else write that. If anybody is telling you that 2022 is not going to be the best year of your life, then tell them to get out of the way because the time is now and we are going and we are not stopping. This is our time, my friends, and I'm so blessed and so grateful that you've joined me on this journey, and I'm so grateful that you're listening to this show. It is going to be an incredible ride, and again, thank you so much for joining us, and like I always say, don't forget to check those show notes, like this lovely angel over my left shoulder. Her name is Kelsey Aida. That is my number one link. And she is my number one girl. I love her so much. But check that link down out in the show notes. New book out, Letters to the Universe. It is a interactive affirmations and manifesting journal. It is going to get you on the right track for 2022. Because like I said, it's going to be the best year ever, my friends. I'll see you next week right here on the Stash It or Pass It podcast. Stash it.